Well, good morning. It's good to be with you here in this building this morning. It's good to be with those that are joining us through our Facebook feed as well. And for those that are here this morning, it's good to partially see you. Well, it's going to be hard to read you this morning. I won't know if you're, if you're mad at me or happy with me or if the Lord's speaking or you can't wait to make an exit. <clears throat> and by the way, if uh, we're not used to the mass thing, and I guess if you got to get out and get a breath of fresh air, just do it as discreetly as you can and move on. I mean, we need, we need freedom. This is new for us, so we're just going to try to work with it best we can. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Life is filled with decisions. Life is filled with decisions enough in and of itself, and then perhaps even more so in light of what we are experiencing today. Should I save my money? Is this the time to save my money because the economy is going to tank? Or is this a time to spend my money to keep the economy from tanking? Is this a time to stay, try to stay home? Or is this a time to go in to work? Is this the time just to go ahead and have a small wedding and get married? Or should I wait until I can have the wedding of my dreams? What do I do with my free evenings now that I don't have a meeting almost every night of the week? All of these decisions. What do I do about my education? We're not meeting in classrooms. What's next year going to look like? What do I do about my sports career that perhaps I am pursuing? Should I make vacation plans or is it futile because it's just going to get canceled anyway? Decisions. Life is designed in this day and age so that we have to make a lot of decisions. And sometimes we have to make very, very difficult decisions. And some decisions are so important that they can make us or break us. And perhaps some of you can look back on your life and look at decisions and say, Man, I'm, ma- I'm so glad I made this decision. I'm still bearing fruit. I'm still happy about this. I have no regrets. Or some of us may look back in our lives and say... I'm still paying. I'm still paying for that decision I made. And then decisions, as if they're not hard enough in and of themselves, it even kind of gets more complicated for believers, right? Because you're not deciding just for yourself. You're deciding for two. And it's just like at any, usually at any kind of wedding ceremony, you'll hear, hear the officiant say, from now on, every decision you make is for Two, what you do with your free time, what you do with your money, what what you do with your work, how you conduct yourself, all of these are now made with the other person in mind. And because we are in a union with Christ, that's the same way with every decision that we make as believers. Every decision has to be made with Christ in mind. And then you add to the fact that decision-making isn't the same for believers and unbelievers in the sense that the Scriptures teach us that wisdom and guidance, um, knowing things, it's not just a matter of how high your IQ is. It's not just a matter of your natural intelligence quotient. But that in every decision, it also involves your moral IQ. 
Because every decision, because God's a moral beginning uh, being, almost every decision uh, regards there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. And, of course, our motives are in that as well. And so Scripture teaches, Proverbs teaches that you could, you could be a genius and be a fool as far as the Bible is concerned. Now, what I want to do this morning is I want to turn to the book of Proverbs for wisdom regarding decision-making. Uh, for wisdom regarding making plans and looking to God for guidance. Over the next few weeks, actually, there's going to be three sermons. Now, next week we will have, um, Lord willing, we plan to have an open-air service down there at the pavilion. And Dwight's going to lead us in communion. And Noah and the team are going to lead us in some worship songs out there. We just have to pray for a day like this morning. Does weather affect your mood? Weather affects my mood, and it is beautiful out there, and I'm grateful to God. But for the next three weeks, I want to just look at this topic of decision-making and God's guidance. And I'm going to take it in three different sections. So the first topic will be wisdom God gives you. And then the next topic will be wisdom God does in you or works in you. And then wisdom God does for you. And I'll explain those. I'm going to read several verses out of Proverbs. Not going to, this isn't expository this morning. Several verses out of Proverbs that just speak about guidance, decision making. We sang about God lighting our path and so forth. So this will get our wheels turning. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is some of y'all's favorite verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will make your paths straight. Proverbs eleven three, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there's safety. 12.5. The thoughts of the righteous are just. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. 12.15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. 15.22. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 16, 1 through 4. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked, for the day of trouble. 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. 16.25 There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. 16.33 The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. 21.5 The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And then the last verse is in 27.1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. 
So I see, and there's, you can break this up a lot of different ways, but I see in these verses and other verses in Scripture that there's three big picture ways that God offers divine guidance. That is, sometimes God just gives it to us. It's clear, it's easy, it's almost effortless. All we did is ask for it. And then there's other times where it requires effort. So he, he, he works it with us in that he takes us to wisdom school. He takes us and he sits us down in the class and we got to work and it's through blood, sweat and tears. We, because he's learning, he's, he, he's teaching us to actually be wise enough to make decisions. He's working it into our character. And so that's a way that God offers guidance. We'll look at that next time. And then the last time is that God just does it. And that is that there are times, well, he does it with us or in spite of us. There are times where we really don't know what's going on. And yet God's will for our lives is being worked out. It might be circumstantially or whatever. So we make our plans, but God directs our steps. And that's the sovereign will of God. So we may not have any idea what God is doing in our lives. We might feel like we're in the dark. And yet God's will, the very thing that we want, is actually being worked out in our lives. But this morning I want to look at this topic of the wisdom that God just gives. And it's the easiest in the sense that, uh, it's the easiest to understand in the sense that it's just something God does. But it's hard, it's probably the most difficult topic to talk on because God is so creative. And hearing from God is not formulaic. And so you might hear this whole sermon and think, I don't know that I learned anything new. Then again, you might hear this whole message and think, God used that to speak to me. The choices are important. Choices. Is this the person I should marry? Or is this a trap? Is this the promotion I should take? Is this, is this the answer to my dreams? Or is that taking me down the wrong path? Should I go into debt? Is this the opportunity of my dreams? Or is this a pit? To fall in. Should I share the deepest secret in my heart that just bears down on me and bears down on me, or do I continue to keep it to myself? The choices are important, they affect our lives and guide us. And life is just too much, even for the wisest of us. Decisions, some of them are too big. We need help. We need guidance. And it's interesting that the Hebrew word for guidance comes from the root word of rope. And you say, what does rope have to do with guidance? Well, if you're a captain on a, on a sailboat or a ship, in that days when there were no motorized ships, it means the world to you. Because what you did with ropes on a sailing vessel is that you use those to guide you and direct you so that you could get where you wanted to go. So when the, the weather changed, when the winds changed, you're constantly pulling on ropes, you're taking this one down and you're tying it off, you're letting this one loose. So everywhere you go or don't go depends on how you operate the ropes. And so they're what guide you. You use those. And so God's... Guidance is in the form of boundaries. It's a form of, it's just like the Christian life, this pilgrimage 
there are currents in this world that if we're not careful with, with uh, using the ropes properly or the guidance that God gives us, we're just going to be carried away. And we're going to wind up in places that, the, that we really don't want to be in. So guidance is very important. And think about that in terms of, well, where do I want to go and how do I get there? Because if we're not careful, if we're not doing the right thing, then we will wind up in the wrong place. So the old saying was, you have no hope without rope. Actually, I just made that up, but it sounded good. So you could easily be blown off course with the prevailing winds. You know, Romans, Paul talks about no longer conforming to the pattern of this world. Look, there are currents in our culture. There are strong currents in our culture that we can get caught up with if we don't tie off to the rock of Christ. So we, we need guidance to guide us, to sail us into the, the heart of God. How do you get guidance? And that's what we're going to look at for the next three sermons. Now, the first way is sometimes God just gives it. You know what? Sometimes God just drops it right in your lap. You might have asked for it. Maybe it took a while, but you got or received very, very clear guidance, a very clear word. And this is great because this is the easiest way to get guidance from God. There's not the blood, sweat, and tears. And it's also, in a sense, the safest way to get direction from God because as believers... The last thing we want to do is something that's offensive to God. I mean, we're trying to make decisions that are pleasing to God. That's why we're here, to bring Him glory. And so the last thing we want to do is, ah, I made a wrong decision and I just blew my witness and I robbed God of His glory. So when God speaks very directly to us or, or offers guidance, it's very clear and direct. seems like a win-win situation. And I want to say that though this is the easiest in my opinion, it's the rarest. It's kind of the exception to the rule, if you will. Uh, and I actually am kind of uncomfortable talking about it, and I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snare myself with something I say this morning because you can't put your finger on it because God is so creative and He works in every individual in different ways. And yet at the same time, I thought, well, i got to say it because we've got to let God be God, and He really does at times work in these ways, and sometimes it's supernatural ways. So talking about yes and no answers. In the Old Testament, you had the Urim and the Tumim, and it was the breastplate. Now, God provided this. This was by God's design. And only the high priest got to wear it. It had 12 stones representing the tribes of Israel. And when the people of God needed like a yes or no answer, they would go to the high priest. You know, God had a method and an order for graciously giving his divine wisdom. They would go to the high priest and they would inquire, I need to know, should we fight these, the enemy today or do we need to back off and go around? These kind of things. Very important decisions. Could be a matter of life and death. And it remains a mystery exactly how they, um, they worked. And I'll read a little quote from you from an Old Testament premier scholar in just a second. But you really did have access to God in this way. So there was a time when King David, you know, Saul was constantly chasing him from place to place. And he happened to be close to the, t- to the temple where the ark was. 
Abiathar was serving as the high priest at that time. So he goes, hey, can you get the ephod, which of course is the breastplate? I need an answer from God. All right? I'm ready. What is it? He says, I need to know. Saul's chasing me in his army. I need to know. If I go to this certain city, am I safe? Or will they rat me out? And so the high priest consulted the breastplate. And he said, don't go. They'll rat you out. Well, that's all I need to know. So there's direction that he received in his life. Now, Bruce Waltke, an Old Testament scholar, says, the priest could use the urim and the tumen to determine God's will in a particular situation. We're not exactly sure what they were, but the priest carried in his breastplate perhaps two sticks or stones, one white and the other black. And that would give a yes or no answer to a specific question. Should Israel be preparing for battle? They would somehow uh, shake the sticks, toss the sticks. And if it turned up black, Israelites would not go. If it turned up white, they would proceed into battle with the knowledge that they were in the will of God. And that's one form of divination that God allowed in the Old Testament. Now, it, it sounds so alluring, right? Just to get be fed yes or no answers from God. And what we have to realize is that even though it seems so simple and easy, that God's still in control. And just because we might have this device, so to speak, that divinely speaks God's will, doesn't mean it's at our, it's under our power. So like if, if Indiana Jones really did find the ark, it doesn't mean that it's still going to work in the same way. I mean, God's in control, but he doesn't make things. You know, you get into all this mystery and divination of ways to, to predict the future and stuff. He doesn't make things that man can use to manipulate them and overpower them and beat them in the arm wrestling match in a sense. Now I got the, the magic stone, and so you have to tell me everything because that's what you made it for. As a matter of fact, there were times when people went to receive yes and no answers from the ephod, and God didn't give it. No, I'm not going to answer that question. Was it wasn't a yes, it wasn't no. He just because he's sovereign, he can also do these things too. There was times when when King Saul actually went to ask and he says, I'm not going to answer you. I'm not going to answer you through the ephod. I'm not going to give you a dream. I'm not going to give you a vision. You may not have this answer. So we always want to keep in mind that God's in control. He's never going to give us something that we could use to manipulate him or wrestle him down to get what we really want. I mean, that defeats the whole purpose of worshiping Him and depending on Him. But there were ways. So you had that in the Old Testament. You had prophecy. You had visions. You had dreams. God just graciously speaks to His people in these ways. It's, it's rare, but it's very, very real. And in Gideon's case, you had the fleece. He wanted to know. He was scared. But he wanted to do God's will, but he, he, had, he wanted to be absolutely sure. And in that case, God gave him the sure answer several times to reassure his heart. But every answer God gives, it's for a distinct reason, for a distinct time, for a distinct person or people group. In the Old Testament, you had prophecy where God was... There's two different kinds of prophecy. There's the foretelling. And we often think of prophecy only as foretelling. It's where God predicts the future. To the prophetic word is where you're speaking the revelation of God. And a lot of the prophecy is just God revealing himself. He's not predicting the future, but he's saying, here's who I am. 
And here's who you are. And here's my nature. And here's your nature. And here's the meaning and the purpose. And here's why everything is created. And by the way, that kind of forth-telling prophecy is actually the most important. Because when we understand ourselves and we understand the nature of God and why we're here, well, that helps us to be wise. So for God to reveal himself through forth-telling is very, very generous and gracious. But he also would often tell the future. He would speak to people that he chose to be his prophets. And he would let Israel know. There was a time uh, when Ezekiel was given a vision. He spoke through a vision. And it was very, it, it included gruesome details where God's telling his people, because of your sin, your city's going to be invaded and overtaken. And you're going to be defeated. And here's what that's going to look like. That's a prophecy or a future that I would rather not know. But God gave it to him. So you have prophecy. You have visions. Peter in the New Testament in a dream goes to sleep. He starts dreaming about clean and unclean food. It was a dream and a vision given to him by God. With, that meant that Gentiles are no longer unclean. They're one of us. They're a people for us. So you see God can speak directly when he wants his will done. My point is that there are times when God just gives it. He can also righteously withhold it. But even in the times where it seems like it's effortless or brainless, it's not. Because we have to know something about the nature of God to have any idea if what we're hearing or sensing or feeling or seeing is indeed from Him. Why? Because we cannot be trusted. We can't be trusted. Sin, our sin nature means that our emotions, our mind, our, our intelligence, things that we feel, our gut, and all the, the uh, methods that we use to make decisions, they're tainted. Doesn't mean they're completely corrupt, but they're tainted by sin. We cannot trust ourselves. So we always have to depend on God. And the best way to do that is to know who He is. Would God say something like this? Even the, all the guidance that we need from God, it's all pointed in relationship. The more we know God, and not just intellectually, but relationally, the closer we are to His will. We'll know these things because He's guiding us. We, we feel them out just like we do with good friends. Some say, I, I just know you better than anybody else. And that's how we want to know God. And that enables us to know what He likes and what He doesn't like because He's revealed these things to us. We don't ever want to separate, like I can just go to this place or pay a certain price or whatever and get the answer I want. Separate that from an intimate relationship with God. By the way, the prophets in the Old Testament, I never really thought of this before until I was looking at this. And that is the way that you knew they were a true prophet and you see, we need that relationship with God because there's such a thing as false prophets. There are a lot of people in this world that will give you bad information gladly. I had this dream. I had this vision. This is of thus saith the Lord. So we have to know God to discern these things. But the test of a true prophet was it had to come true. And if it didn't come true, the uh, penalty was stoning. So I don't know how all that worked, but I wouldn't want to give a false prophecy. But anyway, if the test had to come true, right? A true proof. True, prue means proven and true at the same time. Prue. I'm making up words. So, uh, now what that means is, by the way, 
So if somebody gives you a prophecy, and it might even affect your life like you're going to get invaded or whatever, um, you got to wait to know if this guy really is from the Lord, right? So you can't, like, in some occasions, you can't plan ahead. But we got to wait to see if this guy's legit. Now, once somebody is credible, and there were plenty of prophets that were credible, then you could say, this is a real prophet, so now I can trust. But there was, I guess, an interim period that you, you, were, you were tested and proven. So where does that leave us in the New Testament? Well, the New Testament primarily, as far as guides, God's guidance, points us to His Word. Unmistakably, the revelation. They didn't have this in the New Testament. And in Hebrews it says, In the former days I spoke to the prophets, but today I speak to you through my Son. Now, that speaks volumes. And so by knowing what the Son said, God the Son says, we can understand God's Word. And you say, well, but that's not, as, that's not direct or distinct enough for me. Well, think about it. There are so many decisions we can make based on what God has already revealed. We don't have to pray about it. So, for instance, in your situation where you can say, well, if I tell the truth, I'll have to give this money back. But if I lie, I get to keep it. God, what do I do? We already know what we're supposed to do. There's a lot of things that are revealed in the situation. The Lord, that person offended me. And should, should I continue to devise this plan of revenge and continue to fuel my heart of hate? Or should I forgive him and work towards love? Now, these are things that happen all the time, these kind of decisions in our lives. So God gives us direct answer in these ways. Well, what about the answers that we want that aren't directly in God's word? Seek me and you'll find me. See that relationship? If you just keep setting your heart on me, these things will unfold for you. And he doesn't drop everything, but that's the idea. It doesn't drop everything in our laps, but he does, as we seek him and guide him, things just unfold. They blossom. They flower. Not always in the way we want. God is constantly drawing us in. If we want wisdom, get to know the Lord. So we can't make him do anything that he doesn't want to do. Now, if you look, pull any book off the shelf regarding how to understand God's word or, or how to receive direction from God today, you're going to get the same thing from most evangelical scholars. You've got to read His Word. You hear Him through His Word. Prayer. Uh, sometimes fasting. And, of course, godly counsel. These are the ways, the body of Christ, these are the ways that we hear from God. Sometimes it's direct, sometimes it's indirect. And, of course, we still have in this day, depending on where you lean on this, but we, people still get visions. People still have dreams. We hear testimonies about this that turn out to be true. There's the false stuff out there, too. People give prophecy. Now, no matter where you stand on that, it's not, I don't think it's the same as it was in the, in the Old Testament, but the prophetic word goes out. So we still have these things. We just need to be very cautious because they are rare. You even have the donkey that spoke for God in the Old Testament. Sometimes we get so caught up in wanting to do exactly the right thing for God that we don't do anything. We freeze in fear. And we need to avoid that as well. 
as believers and not live in fear like, what if I, what if I make the wrong decision? There's that seeking God and trusting. And that's why Kevin DeYoung, who was one of the pastors that you heard in an online sermon about, uh, he preached on, never spoke a man like this before. Remember that sermon if you watched it, the beginning of all this? He wrote a little short book. I recommend it. It's a pretty quick, easy read. It's, it's entitled, Just Do Something. And he says, it's a liberating approach to finding God's will. Um, how to make a decision without dreams, visions, fleeces, impressions, open doors, random Bible verses, casting lots, liver shivers, writing in the sky, etc. And he says, you know, a lot of Christians are just paralyzed because they feel like they, I can't do anything until I hear directly from God. So he says, God doesn't need to tell us what to do at each fork in the road. He's already revealed his plan for our lives, to love him with our whole hearts, to obey his word, and after that to do what we like. So God's will. It's complicated, but it's not intended to frustrate us. That's not what God wants to do. It's intended for us to enter into that intimate relationship. In any way that we get God's revelation or God's guidance, it's a grace. It's, it's just so generous of him. Because it's undeserved on our part. And I want to, I'm going to close with a testimony, but I want to just say this. When we talk about God dropping guidance in our lap, understand this. He's very creative. It's not formulaic. Does he still speak clearly? Absolutely. But you are responsible. You're responsible to do the due diligence to know and confirm that this is from God. Because there are a lot of dangers to it as well. And we don't want to be naive in this. But what I want to do is just give a testimony here. Hopefully you all won't pass out for the next couple minutes. Those masks on. Um, a testimony in what it looked like in my life. And my idea of hearing clearly from God. Um, and for me, when I first became a Christian, it was dynamic. It was a life changing. Like, the, the second Christ came into my life, that was it. Blew me away. It was changed. I've never seen the world the same again. And also, my brother-in-law, Bob Hill, he had always told me when he witnessed to me, if you ever do give your life to Christ, read the Gospel of John. So the very night that I gave my life to Christ, guess what pops into my head within a couple of minutes? Read the Gospel of John. And so I... I searched for the little Gideon New Testament that um, Bob had given me that I had put away somewhere and found it, of course, went right to it. And I start, within minutes after I get saved, I start reading the Gospel of John. I don't know what I'm reading. I don't know anything about the Bible. I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't know how it works. I'm a new believer. And yet, the Word is living. And in my ignorance, God is speaking to me. And it's almost like he wrote that book for me. I couldn't believe it. Like I'm reading my life in the scriptures. And that's kind of how it's been for me ever since. But there have been times when God has, I, I said, God, this is an important decision. I need it. And he's never given it to me. Not in the way that I wanted it. Or maybe there's its weight or, or no or something like that. But there have been a few times in my life where I know to the best of the ability of a believer to know and hear from God, that he gave me direction. It was direct. And one of those times was when 
you know, when I first became a Christian, yeah, unfortunately, I kind of went up and down for a while. I did some bad things and some good things and so forth. But it got to the point where it's like, okay, Lord, you have been so good to me, bailing me out time after time of my foolishness. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? You just always bail me out, and I love you so much for it. I am so grateful. What can I do for you? And one of the things that came to my mind as I was praying this was, was this phrase, and I'm a new Christian. I don't understand how it works, but learn my word. Learn my word. That's what he said to me. This is not audible. It's in my heart. But it was, even though it's not audible, God can speak kind of really loud, very quietly. Learn my word. So I thought, okay. And then as I sought him, things began to unfold. When I prayed that, what, how do I apply it? Pastor Kirk. Now, I'm in Maryland. And I didn't know Pastor Kirk very well. I came and lived here for a short time, and I got to know New Covenant Fellowship for a little bit. But I'm back in Maryland now. I've been living there. Pastor Kirk's uh, came to mind. So I thought, Pastor Kirk's got something to do with this. So I call him. And I tell him, I'm in, I was in prayer, and God, I believe God showed me this. He said, well, let's meet. We met halfway in, in Manassas, or Woodbridge. And I explained it to him, and Kirk and Mary Lou were there. And they said, okay, well, I'll pray about it. it turns out that they believed that they, he was to teach me God's word. And he used the word discipleship. I didn't know what that meant. And I said, no, you cannot disciple me. God said, learn my word. He said, well, actually, that's what discipleship is. Okay, well, then, then you can disciple me. And, anyway, and, and then, to make a long story short, it was just a matter of how do I obey God's word. And I, I cut ties in Maryland. I came to live here. And for one year, it was a very intense relationship, uh, discipleship relationship where I learned about God. God brought that to fruition. And it was like I knew it was going to happen. And um, then there was another time where, I, again, I'm in Maryland, and I was a believer, and I was like, Lord, um, I, I kind of would like to get married. I've always wanted to get married. But now I'm a believer, so i got to marry a believer. And that just cut my choices way down. So I'm praying about this. And uh, again, I'm in Maryland, and I just got to know New Covenant Fellowship for a short time. And every time I, I pray this prayer, you know, Lord, I'm looking for an answer and some guidance. This young girl's vision picture comes into my mind. I'm like, well, she's too young, too old for her. So I just kept praying and praying and praying and seeking God with all my heart. I, Lord, I want a godly spouse. And this went on for several months. And finally, it was like God uh, spoke to my heart and said, um, I've been giving you the answer. How many times are you going to answer me? Ask me for direction. I've been giving you the answer. And I was like, oh, you mean that young girl that's too young who happened to be named Lisa? So I was, I was praying for direction and God was giving it to me. I just didn't, wasn't thinking in kingdom terms. And it turns out that the Lord was speaking to her heart in the same way and God made this happen. So here's how I want to close this. There's, a, there's a several other instances. As a matter of fact, one more. When I came here to be discipled by Kirk, um, they, we had a meeting and one of the elders at the church at that time was Roy Meekins, Roy and Charlotte, who live in this farm right here. And so they, we met there and I had to figure out where, where am I going to live and what I'm going to do for um, a living and so forth. And the Lord, again, showed me, revealed, he, he stirred something in my heart that as they were meeting, 
it came to my mind that this is where you're going to live. They're going to offer you, the Meekins are going to offer you their home. So, it, like, it just came on me. And I didn't, it was really cool, you know. And, but I didn't, like, do I t- I'm thinking, do I tell somebody? Do I tell somebody? And uh, anyway, after the meeting, they come out and Roy opens the door to his porch and he says, what's this? And I said, it's an open door. He said, you're welcome to come and live in our house. These are just, it's just rare. Now, so God spoke clear, clearly to me by impressing things upon my heart. And then they came to pass um, when I was a young believer. Now, since then, I have not had any experience like that from the Lord. For years and years, God has not chosen to to speak to me or guide me in that way. Even when I was given the opportunity, I had to make the big life decision about going into the pastorate. I used every means I could, the good old-fashioned disciplines of grace, prayer and fasting and seeking godly wisdom and counsel. Now, you would think, well, that would be a great time for God to just really nail it and speak clearly about that. He did not choose to do that. But I am just as certain that this is God's will for me as I was when God spoke clearly to me. Though I'm saying all this, even though it's messy, it's complicated, I don't know how God speaks to you. We need to be careful and cautious, and we are responsible before God. But God is God. And if He wants us to know something, He will bear it on us. In a way, I want to close with these verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing And perfect will. May God bless the preaching of his word. Good job, guys.